Hello to my music teacher friends. This is Christina Whitlock, your host for this 82nd episode of the Beyond Measure podcast. And of course, you know it, your anytime piano teacher friend. Thanks for hanging out with me today. Today, I wanted to talk about embracing the creative life. And for the duration of this episode, let's consider that creative with a capital C, shall we? (laughs) I am the first to admit that I am really just coming back around to embracing my identity as a creative in the last few years or so. I think we all know how tempting it is to get kind of sucked into the vortex of studio teacher life, being fully consumed by lesson plans and scheduling mania and emails and recruitment strategies and on and on the list goes. And While, of course, these things are a big part of music teacher life, it is woefully easy to fall into a trap where you stop considering yourself as an artist. You lose connection with your, capital C, creative self. I think back to when I was a child I absolutely loved creative writing. I liked to sketch, even though I never really felt good at it. I loved experimenting with interpretation and peddling in the repertoire that I was studying. I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but I was blissfully unaware of how poorly I understood Mozart's style when I first learned to play his D minor fantasy. (laughs) I was living my very best life playing that piece like it was Chopin. (laughs) Mozart's framework with all of my added rubato and pedal and erratic tempo changes. I mean, wow. (laughs) It was everything my 11-year-old self wanted from music. I used to love transposing pieces and adding ornaments to everything in sight. (laughs) I sought out every theater-related activity I could. I read copious amounts of fiction. I sang without fear, like, all the time. (laughs) I mean, I lived for moments when I would be home alone and I would stage my own, (laughs) like, one-woman shows of The Phantom of the Opera and Les Miserables. (laughs) I would constantly imagine myself performing for important people and interviewing on talk shows and all those fun things that young people do. (laughs) But over the years, I confess, I just let my pursuits get too serious. It happened sneakily, like one experience at a time, And you might not even notice if you weren't living inside my head, since I do present a pretty light-hearted front most of the time. But I became painfully aware when my ambitions and my level of understanding 
didn't necessarily align with my abilities at any given moment. And that meant that insecurity and doubt started raging within me. (laughs) My inclinations to please others drove me to some really questionable decisions. (laughs) And I became more and more and more concerned with the dreaded state that all artists should fear, practicality. Okay, so for the record... I am still a fan of practicality. (laughs) I love receiving gifts that have a real purpose. I love running a business that combines my love for people with my love for music and actually allows me to make a living from doing those two things. I like making wise financial decisions and I love efficiency in all forms. But there is one area in which practicality can be a real drain on the creative mind. And that is when it comes to how we spend our time. I have a feeling you know what I mean, but just in case, allow me to elaborate. Those of us who have been fortunate enough to make a full-time living in the field of music do not get here by accident. (laughs) We are typically goal-driven, strategically-minded, detail-obsessed personalities who have the obnoxious persistence to chase down exactly what it is we want. (laughs) Because it doesn't come easily, right? And as we zero in on those goals that we're chasing, it is all too easy to begin obsessively auditing how we spend every minute of every day. We become preoccupied with the fear of wasting time. Productivity begins to fuel our sense of self-worth and, I mean, failing to be productive, well, that leaves us feeling pretty much worthless. Am I speaking to you yet? (laughs) I bet I am. I can't help but think most of us have found ourselves in a place like this. And whether it lasts for a month or two, or years upon years, I need you to understand something today, okay? (laughs) Hear me. The creative spirit cannot survive in a world where productivity is king. I feel like it's taken me many years to get to that realization, friends, but it's true. The creative spirit cannot survive in a world where productivity is king. My friends, this is your Monday morning reminder that our musician and artist selves need white space to live up to our fullest potential. I'm a big fan of Emily P. Freeman, who is an author and a podcaster and many other things, uh, most notably on the show, The Next Right Thing. I've mentioned her podcast in previous episodes, particularly back in episode 41, which was titled Solid Before Spectacular. It's a good one. You should go check it out. Episode 41. <laughs> anyway, last year on her season of the Next Right Thing podcast, Emily Freeman made multiple references throughout the year to an article that had been written by a web programmer named Paul Graham. 
The piece is titled Maker's Schedule, Manager's Schedule. And I'll put a link to it in the notes for this episode so you can check it out. What Paul Graham brilliantly articulated in that piece is the fact that regardless of your profession, some of us thrive on a manager's schedule, like filling in each block of time throughout the day with meetings and lunches and whatever. But others of us, notably creatives, (laughs) need to work on what he called a maker's schedule. You know, a maker's schedule has longer open blocks of time to let our artist selves get deep into that flow state you've probably heard about elsewhere. Graham mentions how even something as simple as having a singular meeting on the calendar in the middle of the afternoon, regardless of how short it might be, can have devastating results on his productivity that day. What we are creating, whether that's computer programs or writing or composing or just contemplating how to be the most effective teacher, we are extremely limited by interruptions in our schedules. Am I right? (laughs) Hearing that perspective from Paul Graham was a real eye-opener for me. It made me realize why I feel so thrown off the productivity wagon when I schedule like a single lesson in the middle of an otherwise open morning. I am forever looking back on my day thinking, why didn't I get more done? Or, you know, how did I not get so-and-so's repertoire planned that morning? Friends, it's because the vast majority of us are pursuing projects better suited to a maker's schedule, (laughs) but we work in a profession that is very geared towards the manager's schedule. (laughs) I mean, even though I love the idea of the manager's schedule, I mean, it's so tidy and compartmentalized and organized. (laughs) The more I thought of Paul Graham's essay, the more I realized how much struggle I've had as I've tried to wrangle my own processes and squeeze them into a manager's schedule. And I'm just not giving myself any room to go deep on the things that I'm hoping to create. Think about it. This is one of the main reasons that serious musicians do need to allot significant amounts of time to practice. I mentioned in last week's episode how much time I feel like I wasted in my degree studies as I strove to fill time on the clock rather than musical progress. But at the same time, we just can't sit down and get right into that flow state, right? Sometimes it takes us several minutes to acclimate ourselves and get in the zone, and it only takes one interruption to disturb that flow. Did you know there's research out there that shows that it takes our brains at least 20 full minutes to come back to reality after being on our phones? I mean, I think the temptations of cell phones in the practice room must be such a struggle these days. I am forever grateful that I did my degree studies before it was commonplace to have internet on your phone. But that's another story for another day. (laughs) Back to makers' schedules. 
It's not much of a secret that I have a long personal history of filling my days up with wall-to-wall commitments from sunup to sundown. (laughs) But guess what? These books that I want to write, these supplemental resources that I want to create to help my students and my teacher friends, they are going to keep being undone unless I learn to embrace a maker's schedule. And I mean, honestly, even without those kinds of projects in your mind, I would argue with great certainty that our students will benefit from teachers who allow margin in their schedules for free thinking and even for seemingly frivolous pursuits. We need to build our lives around an expectation of being able to play with our art, friends. This means time to practice, time to improvise, to compose or to arrange, to break the rules of stylistic interpretations sometimes. For me, maybe it means a return to reading fiction every once in a while, and maybe even a reprise of my now infamous one-woman shows the next time I'm home alone. (laughs) It means time to explore new repertoire for our students and to spend time with other teacher friends. It means experimenting with new approaches or daydreaming up new rhythmic exercises. It means listening to music we might not otherwise listen to, or sometimes just sitting in absolute, total, blissful silence, watching our thoughts pass in and out of our conscious minds. At the most practical level, for me, looking forward to the fall schedule, it means leaving two mornings absolutely clear and utilizing those days to dive deep into the work that my heart is calling me to do. It means continuing to leave weekends open entirely for family time (laughs) and giving myself a clear pass to put work away for those 48 hours. And you know what? (laughs) It feels so self-indulgent, doesn't it? I mean, there are many, many people in many professions who would hear this and they would think two empty mornings sounds like such a luxury. But there are two things that those people forget. Number one, those creative deep dives are draining work. I mean, we confront a lot of inner demons as we put our hearts out into the world, don't we? And number two, the world needs the work of creative, capital C, people. Now, more than ever, the world needs the beauty and the levity that we bring to it as artists. There is too much ugly out there to occupy our attention. We must boldly put work into the world that others can marvel at. So perhaps this episode was a little all over the place today, but I'm hoping it accomplished a few things. One, I hope it reawakened you to your true calling as a creative human. And I want you to remember that creativity takes many forms, but I just know it's part of you. If you have not connected with that part of your being in a while, I hope I've convinced you that today is the time. 
I also hope that I've helped you make peace with the need for white space in your schedules. I don't think there's any escaping a partial manager's schedule here in Studio Teacher World, but I hope you will relentlessly pursue kind of a hybrid version of the maker's schedule alongside the necessity of the manager's schedule. We truly are a rare breed, friends, and you are so, so important to the world today. So with that idea, let's raise a glass together, real or imaginary, and we'll wrap up today with a toast. Music teacher friends from all over the world, It is time to reclaim our identity as creative artists. Don't let yourself get so bogged down in the details of your business that you forget what drew you to music in the first place. Toss the ideas of perfectionism and practicality out of the window, (laughs) at least for a few minutes, and just see where it takes you. The world needs us to bring our genuine hearts and express that through whatever art forms we can. You have such an important place here on this earth, my friends, and I hope you go forth and find it with great enthusiasm. (laughs) Cheers to you, my ultimate creative friends. Hear, hear. All right. Thank you for listening to episode 82, friends. If you are looking for a community of supportive music teacher friends, don't forget you can find one in my Patreon support group. For $6 a month, you can help me keep this podcast a priority in my creative life, and you can get yourself an invite to one of the best Zoom chats on the internet the final Friday of each month. Thanks to those who have already joined, and if you're on the fence, I'll just remind you that you can cancel at any time. Check out patreon.com slash beyondmeasurepodcast, or find the link in the episode notes for today's show for more details. That's it for today, my creative teacher friends. If this episode spoke anything to you today, please do consider sharing it with a group of your teacher friends. It really is the ultimate compliment. And by the way, I'd just love to see more teachers reconnect with their creative selves. You can feel free to email me anytime at beyondmeasurepodcast at gmail.com. And of course, be sure to come join the party over on Facebook and Instagram because we have a really great time over there. Onward and upward to more creative lives. We'll talk soon.